You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 19, so stand with me one more time as we stand on the solid rock of God's word. And we will pick up mid-verse in verse 19. It starts like this. For some days, he, that being Paul, was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, notice that, immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. Amen? Jesus is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving, by proving that Jesus was the Christ. But listen, it wasn't easy. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he'd come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. But notice verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray. Lord, bring us peace. Bring us a season of peace and glory. We know this world can be a harsh place. Saul experienced at least twice in our text threats on his life. And yet, Lord, you still brought peace. Bring peace to our hearts. Bring peace to our church. And help us, God, to be in a position to be a witness in our generation. Remind us, God, that no matter what the world says or does... No matter how hard the devil pushes against us, the gospel cannot be stopped. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Church, we must be on the move for Jesus. There is no such thing as a church set and still. A church on the move for Jesus will keep the devil playing defense. That's what we want. We want to keep moving fast enough that the devil is always on defense. For the past several weeks as we've been in the book of Acts, we have seen the power of the gospel to save souls. But we've also noted in this mini-series that we've been in here in Acts is that there are still those moments of demonic opposition. When God wants to do a work in the spiritual world, I believe as light begins to shine more brightly, the darkness begins to push back. We've seen that kind of pushing back all throughout the text of Acts. Yes, God is on the move, but the devil is trying to stir up trouble. 
That's why it's important for us to hear this message. There will be challenges. There will be troubles, but the devil can't stop the gospel. The opposition never really stopped, but we see there in verse 31, and we'll come back around to that at the very end of our time together here, but I want you to notice that God did give the church a season of peace so that the churches could be built up. I think that there are times when the devil just comes after the church and, and its people, but we need to pray for some peace because God will give it to us. We may not always be able to push away the devil, but I want you to know the power of God can. And so we pray for that. We pray for help. We pray that we can have a season of peace. Here's why. We've been talking about reaching 8,400 people in our community. To do that, we're going to have to have confidence and we're going to have to have strength in the Lord. It's going to take more than just methodologies. It's going to take more than our good planning. It's going to have to be a work of God. We need God to clear the path. If we will be faithful, hear me out, if you will just commit to be faithful, God will take care of the details. The spiritual warfare is always beyond you, but it's never beyond Jesus. He is with us. If you look at the text here, verse 31 again, I want you to see something of an equation here. I've been working on some algebra homework with the kiddos. Um, I have decided that I am... I'm just not very good at algebra. But anyway, um, um, here's a little equation. I guess I'm thinking in equations. Fear of the Lord plus the comfort of the Spirit equals the multiplication of disciples. You see that so clearly. That equation is there in verse 31. Fear of the Lord means that we take God's word seriously. We want to be obedient to the word and holy as much as we can be. We want to seek the Lord, but we also know that we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough. We cannot expect God to, to come and fill this place just because we're trying harder. We need the comfort and consolation of the Holy Spirit. When those two things happen, when you make a plan, when you have a desire to be obedient to Jesus, and then you rest in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that's when there is a multiplication of disciples. That's what we want to see happening in our community. But we must humble our hearts before Jesus. We must allow the Spirit to work. And if we do that, we'll see conversions. Now today, as we're looking at this story, this follow-up to the conversion of Saul, we are reminded that God can do some pretty amazing things. If he can save Saul, he can save anybody. We need a message like this today because it feels like when we're sharing the gospel, many times it just seems like it's an impossible task. People often, their hearts, when they're cold and hard toward the gospel, it just seems like no matter what we say, they're not going to hear it, they're not going to listen. The devil wants you to think that that's how everybody is, but here's the deal. God's spirit goes before you. God's spirit is softening up hearts before you. You keep being faithful, and God will put you in the right place at the right time. We have to believe that. To be a church on the go, to keep the devil on defense, we have to have faith. We must believe. Last week I told you that faith is living in the margin between what we can do and what God has called us to do. I want you to realize that if we're just staying in kind of that sweet spot of our own making, if we're just trying to stay in a comfortable place, we won't witness. We won't go beyond our comfort zone. 
But living in faith is being brave enough to go into that margin between what our abilities are and what God can do. I want to challenge you, if you're a believer here today, to have faith and to believe that it can happen. We are not living for God and in, and in Christ as we should when we are saying things like, it can't be done or it will never happen. Rich was talking about some of those songs from the past. I don't think this one's quite as old as the ones he was talking about, but there's a song that I remember singing in my youth, Nothing is Impossible. When you put your trust in God. Listen to this line from Eugene Clark's hymn. I read in the Bible the promise of God that nothing for him is too hard. Impossible things he has promised to do if we faithfully trust in his word. Nothing is impossible. I would probably do a lot more of these old hymns if I could sing, but I have to read them to you, and I'm sorry about that. I just don't, I just don't have the rhythm. But I want you to hear those words I have those words echoing in my head all the time, especially when I'm facing a deep, a dark challenge, a deep difficulty. I know that nothing is impossible with God. We need to remember that, and we need to remember that the devil can't stop the gospel. So as we look at our text today here, I think we have the perfect message for us if we are in a bit of a tailspin of late. I think if we have come into this place a little bit more down than up, that's okay because the Lord wants us to know that he is with us. The Lord wants us to know that we are not alone. And let me tell you, I don't know what song you were singing when you came in, but I hope you'll leave with a new song. That's our first point, a new song, and that is this. Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I'll mention this to you because when we come to this text, I want you to notice that when Saul received Jesus, he immediately became a new person. He became a new person, and a new person has a new song. Christianity is a faith that sings. And I want you to know that Jesus will put a new song in your heart. Fears and doubts get replaced by grace and hope. The blood of Jesus can do that. The blood of Jesus gives us a new song. A new song where we are able to sing about heavenly things. When we were singing some of those old hymns, speaking of death and heaven, I'm going to tell you, I had to stop for a moment and I had to take stock of, of my own heart there and remember that when I'm singing, I'm not just singing to get a little bit of comfort and peace in this world, but when I'm singing the Christian gospel, I am reminding myself that this life and this world is just the beginning, that God has heaven for us. We will not die and be no more, but we will die and be with Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Too often, friends, when we sing songs, we're singing about how the good life here is in this world. And I'm here to tell you, I want to enjoy this world that God has made, and I want to make the most of every minute of life that God gives me. But this world is not my home. I have a new song. I can sing about this place called heaven. I'm looking forward to going there someday and seeing those who have gone on before me. I can do that because of the new song I have in Jesus Christ. Verse 20, and he immediately, Saul immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. Do you hear that? In the synagogues. He immediately went there. You talk about a hard place to share the gospel. That's where he goes. And he goes there and he speaks of Jesus as the son of God. Now that language to us, we use that language all the time. It's gospel language. We see it in the gospels. For instance, Matthew 14, 33. 
Matthew 16, 15, and 16. Mark 3, Luke 1, Luke 4, John 1. Just to give you some examples. That's a common way that Jesus referred to himself and a common way that the gospel writers spoke of Jesus. Jesus as the Son of God. But I want to tell you something. Up until this point, the preaching that we've seen, whether it's Peter or if it's Stephen or Philip, this language has not been used. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't used. But here's the deal. This was a hallmark of Paul's later preaching. When Paul would go into synagogues, one of the most important things he wanted to do was to make clear to his Jewish brothers that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. The idea here is, is that Paul, Saul here, Paul later, wants everybody in his audience to know that Jesus is not another in a line of prophets of old, but he is the promised one of God. When Paul was preaching, this is what he was preaching in Romans 9, in Colossians 1, in Titus 2. This is where his heart was. Let me say to you, brothers and sisters, there are a lot of things about Christianity that are good and helpful. I think we have a wonderful, what I call a livable uh, philosophy, theology here in the Word. I'm going to tell you something. Even if I couldn't talk to you about heaven, I would tell you that this book shows you a better way to live. If we wanted to just keep it in this world, we could say this is still the very best way to live your life. How could it be wrong to love your neighbor? What is wrong with being gracious and merciful to those who are not gracious and merciful to you? Turning the other cheek. I could go on and on and on. The golden rule. On and on and on. This book is a beautiful way to live, but I'm here to tell you, it's not just about a beautiful way to live in this world. It is that new song that gives us hope that we will live forever. We need to be a people who are constantly lifting Jesus higher. The preaching of Paul the Apostle put Jesus on the highest level. He went from being a persecutor of Jesus and his church to being a believer in Jesus. This is another evidence that the devil can't stop the gospel. But I want you to know this. We need to be a church more and more in love with Jesus. This is the secret. I know that sounds like something obvious, but let me just have you pause for a moment. I know that many of you, maybe a vast majority of you in this room are professing Christians. But how many times a day are you talking about Jesus? How many times a day are you talking to Jesus in your heart of hearts? How many times a day are you telling people about Jesus who is in your heart? We know that Jesus is the Savior. We proclaim that and profess that when we are believers. But are we saying it enough? My heart tells me no. That I could be speaking Jesus more. We need to speak Jesus more. We need to make sure that if we are claiming to have a new song, that we're actually singing it. Saul proved that Jesus was the Christ. Verse 22, Saul preached boldly to the people of Jerusalem and beyond. Chapter 9, verse 28. I know you guys have heard me say many times, I don't trust my voice to sing. I don't think my voice is very good. 
But I'm here to tell you, it isn't about how good your voice is. It's just that you have Jesus on your voice. We don't need eloquent people. Believe you me, most of you could care less about eloquence. I know that's true. We don't need fancy words and we don't need uh, fancy thoughts. But I tell you what we need. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need the love of Jesus flowing from us. We need to make sure that we're making a joyful noise. And you know, I think often, Rich, we think about a joyful noise in terms of bad singing. Listen, a joyful noise is always joyful when Jesus is the subject. That's what we're talking about. Whether it is a song or whether it's a, a word spoken, just make Jesus the focus. I think about Christians and what we talk about all the time. I listen to people talk, and I have to tell you, many times what I hear Christians talking about just makes me sad. I'm sad because I hear people talking about church problems. I hear people talking about problems in the culture. So church, how often are we talking about Jesus? How often are we praising Jesus with our words and our lives? Friends, please speak Jesus more. All these other things will take care of themselves. I'm convinced that we're trying to fix the world's problems with this. But I believe that Jesus saved your heart from sin. This is how we change the world, is with our hearts. Our hearts filled with Jesus. Then when our hearts are filled with Jesus, guess what? Our mouths will actually be speaking Jesus and speaking the things that Jesus would speak. We need people whose hearts are completely and fully committed to Jesus. We need more of Jesus in our thoughts, our words, our actions, our songs. Everything needs to be more about Jesus. That's what the new song is. The new song is the song of the heart changed by Jesus where we speak of Jesus as the Son of God, as Saul did in those early days in preaching in the synagogues. We need to sing this loud. We need to sing it every day. Just right now, I want you to ask the Spirit to put in your mind, right now, how often on a daily basis is Jesus in your thoughts and in your words? How often? When a, an issue, when a pressure comes on your life, when you feel pressure at a point in your life, where do you turn? What do you talk about? Who are you leaning on? It must be Jesus, else you will be in trouble. The devil can't stop the gospel, but I want to tell you something. He can stop you. The devil can't stop the gospel, but he can stop you. He'll stop you when you forget who you are, when you forget that you have Christ in you. When you forget about the power of the Holy Spirit, when you give in to old fears, that's our second point, an old fear, and they were afraid of him. Verses 21, 26, and 27. You know, if you've sung the same tune for a long time, there may be those who are skeptical when they hear your new song. I know that if you are a new believer and people know a certain way you lived and talked, uh, when they see you living and talking different, they're going to be skeptical. Can you imagine how radical that was for Saul? Saul had a major change. He goes from being a persecutor of the church to its most famous preacher. But that didn't happen overnight, and a lot of people were truly afraid of this man. It is hard to change. We know that. 
And we also know that humans tend to be hardest on other humans. <laughs> we tend to not really believe people very much, right? What is it, the old saying? I think it was Reagan that said, uh, trust but verify, <laughs> you know? How's that work, right? Yo, trust them, but verify. We need to realize that that's just human nature. There will always be those. I want you to hear this. No matter who you are, there will always, always be those who do not appreciate your voice, your heart, and your song. Even if you've been walking with Jesus for decades, there will be people who will question you, who will say, do you really believe that? Or, or maybe they've known you to be inconsistent from, times. They, from time to time. They will hold that against you. But let me tell you what's going on here. It is the destructive force that is fear. Skepticism can be helpful as a coping tool, but when fear fuels your skepticism, darkness will overtake your soul. I think a lot of people aren't really skeptics. I just think they're allowing the darkness to fill them up too much. Hear this, verse 21. And all who heard Paul were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? There's skepticism there. There's the question of, can a person change so radically, so quickly? Well, let me just say this. The truth is, no one can change this radically on their own. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. True change isn't you figuring it out. It's God taking over. We receive the work of God and then we act on that. But I want you to know, is it possible for a Saul-like story to happen in our day? No, not by human strength. Yes, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say again, as we go out and share the gospel, we may be sharing with some of the most difficult and the most skeptical people in our community, but don't be afraid because God can change people. Now, even the Christians were afraid. They thought that, that Saul was a mole. I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. They were afraid of him, verse 26, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But look at men like Barnabas standing up for Saul in verse 27 saying, no, this guy is for real. You see, Barnabas doesn't give in to fear. Fear is something that's easy to give in to. We need to believe in the transformative power of God. We need to believe that God can do all things. But hear this, fear will keep us apart. Only deep faith in Christ will keep us together. When we allow fear to motivate anything we do in the church, that will put a barrier between us. That will keep us from being able to gel. We have to trust in the Lord, and we must not allow fear to take over our hearts. I believe that here in this text, we are shown the danger, the danger that the church faces when revival is happening. There will always be those around that say, mm, I don't know about that. I'm not sure that that's real. That's going to happen no matter what. If you get on fire for Jesus, someone will accuse you of, of motivations that are less than pure. When we let God take over, it's a different song that we have, and people seem to fear that kind of spiritual power. Yes, we need to pray for God to, to, to always help us to think about our motivations and why we're doing things. But hear this, don't let old fears keep you from God's fresh blessings. I think in the church today, we have far too many people 
who are allowing the old fears. Now, let me just give you a most basic example of this. And I can share this from my own experience. I can tell you that I have had some witnessing experiences that have not been all that great. One of uh, the most demonically inspired uh, creatures in the entire world is a little dog. <laughs> little dogs sometimes are filled with legion uh, uh, demons. I think, I'm not joking you, I've never been bitten by a big dog on visitation, but I've been bitten by little dogs multiple times. Little dogs with Napoleon complexes, I'm telling you. So here's the deal. Fear is always there. You're always afraid when you're having that conversation that, that I doubt that the dog's going to bother you much, but, but that fear that someone's not going to listen to us, that fear that we're going to say something that people uh, don't want to hear or don't like, or we just fumble with our words. Listen to me. I believe the devil loves to bring to our memories every failure we've ever had spiritually in the moment before we have an opportunity to share the gospel. And I want to say again, we cannot allow old fears to keep us from fresh blessings. Don't assume that a failure in the past means failure in the present. Know that we have to many times fail as we serve the Lord. It's only then that we understand that success was never ours. It is always in Jesus. Those failures are to remind us that it is God who does the work. And we need to know that because we will face formidable threats. Let me just mention very quickly here this idea that they were seeking to kill him. Twice in the text, we see that people hear Saul's new song and because of their fear, literally try to have him killed. Studying history, here's one thing I've learned. Even in a, in a country like America, where we say in, that we believe in free speech, we say that until someone says something we don't like. And then all of a sudden, we're trying to shut down someone's free speech. Now, you would think that human beings would respect the other and have a live and let live attitude. That is not the way the world works. Let me say this. If we go out and share the gospel, what we're telling people is, is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We are telling people that Jesus is an exclusive. He is not one of many options. He is the only way to heaven. When we say that, in our culture today, that is offensive. The culture wants to say, your idea is okay, but so is mine. But that's not how truth works. Truth, it cannot have uh, another truth over here saying something opposite. And you say, oh, they're both truths. That isn't how it works. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and the only way to heaven. That's either true or false. You either believe it or you don't. So let me tell you, this kind of persecution that Saul is facing is what Christians often face in certain parts of the world because they're standing up for Jesus. Now, here in our culture, right now, we don't have that kind of worry. But I want you to know, you become a threat to the culture when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you are preaching Jesus. The culture does not want to hear about sin. They want us to affirm their sinfulness. And listen, it's not that we're going to war with people. We love people. We don't share Jesus to cause trouble. We share Jesus because he provides salvation. We must believe that. But this world will present us with many formidable threats. Hear this. You are a threat to Satan's work in this world. 
if you are surrendered to Jesus. The enemy is making threats against you because you are a threat. Do you hear me? If you are going to share the gospel, the devil knows you are a threat. And those who are a threat get threatened by Satan. I'm saying all of this not to discourage you, but to remind you that when you're sharing Jesus, it's not easy. It's not about your strength. We are going to face great challenges as we share the gospel seven times apiece. We're going to have some wonderful conversations, but we may have some difficulty Uh, difficult conversations and some difficulties, no doubt. But just keep being faithful. I want you to see in this text that Saul twice had to run for his life. Now, Saul was a man of pride. I'm, I'm sure this was not something he was proud of in later years. In 2 Corinthians, he speaks of these things, in particular this being let out uh, the wall in a basket. Also, we see that he's having to run from the Hellenist in verses 29 and following. He was a proud man. This would have been very hard on him in his early days. Because here, why wouldn't you say this? Or me? Lord, here I was persecuting Christians. And now I'm preaching Christ. And, And now I'm the one that's persecuted. Imagine Saul saying this. Saul is saying, why, Lord, am I suffering like this? Well, it took him a while. But by 2 Corinthians 11, 12, and 13, here's what he learned. He learned that he was at his strongest when he was at his weakest. The persecution in the flesh that Saul experiences here in Acts 9 helped him to realize that his strength was never his, that the only strength that really matters is the strength and power of Jesus in us. You're going to have to fail from time to time because only then will you realize that Jesus gives success. One of the most fearsome threats to your soul's health is pride. As a witness, pride, more often than not, is what keeps you from having the conversation, going next door, knocking on the door, being faithful in the moment. Fear and pride keep us from being the witnesses we should be. Let me finish up with a familiar harmony. I chose that word very, very carefully. Notice verse 27 and 31. Peace built up and multiplied. I want to talk about that for just a moment. For the church to be in harmony, we need peacemakers. We need encouragers. We need men like Barnabas. Barnabas stood up for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Here, in this text, he stands up for Saul. He goes to Jerusalem and says... This brother Saul is for real. Listen to him. It is Barnabas who smooths out things and provides harmony in the church. Later on, now notice this. In chapter 15, Barnabas speaks against Paul and for John Mark. So later, he he is going to challenge Paul because he feels like Paul may be in the wrong. But he stands up for another brother in that instance. But I want you to see in Barnabas' life, in both instances, here is a person who is not trying to sing solos. He's trying to provide a harmonic line. Your job and my job, if we're ever seeking a solo in ministry, we have missed the point. The point is that we play our part and we sing with the body. We need to make sure that we are peacemakers and we're moving in the direction that God would have us go. 
You are to be an encourager. You need to be a peacemaker. Don't seek the limelight. I'm going to tell you, to be uh, called to ministry is one thing. I think I've shared this with some of you before. My son and I have talked about pastoral ministry and what that means. What does it mean to be called? I asked Zach when he was very young. I said, son, do you want to do what dad does? And he went, no way. He said, that's crazy talk. I don't want to do that. I said, right answer. That is exactly the right answer. I said, nobody should want to be a leader of the church or a senior pastor or a pastor of any kind. No one should want to be that. But I'll tell you this. If God calls you to do it and you say, no, that's what's crazy. It's a calling. So if I'm preaching or you're teaching a Sunday school or you're going on a mission trip or you're just being an encourager like a Barnabas, I don't know what your calling is, but whatever it is, you're crazy if you don't surrender to it. The idea here is, is that we all have a part to play, but none of us get a solo. We're all just singing in the choir. We're all supposed to be contributing to the harmony. The solo is fine. Some people are called to it. I'm doing it right now. But I want you to hear me. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that whatever we do, we are leading to harmony and peace. That's what the church needs I think today that the church needs this season of peace that is so eloquently described in verse 31. We know the devil is still out there and working, but we also believe that the Holy Spirit can give us a season of peace. If we don't have the, the, the Holy Spirit's help, there will only be struggle. But let me ask you this. Will you pray with me this morning that God would make you a Barnabas? Would you contribute to the church's harmony? Will you commit to do that? Would you be willing to be a bridge of grace to hurting souls, even though bridges get walked on? See, that's what we need to have, is that attitude of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross because it was the only way to save us. And I'm just wondering, as I was meditating this morning, as I was thinking about my personal life and my life as a pastor, you know, so often, when things aren't going well, I start saying, well, it's that person or this problem or, or whatever. Here's the deal. There's always, the devil's going to give you 20-20 vision on how everybody else is the problem. But only the wisest among us will look in our own hearts. Only the wisest among us will look in our own hearts and say, I don't care what other people are doing. I want to serve the Lord. I don't care what the chaos is out there. Lord, give me peace in my heart. If you will seek the peace of the Lord in your own heart, then let me say this. I believe that you will provide the opportunity for there to be peace and harmony. I'm saying to you, Christian, hear me out. You may have to get walked on to ensure that there is harmony in the church. And I am here to tell you, it hurts and it's worth it. It hurts and it's worth it. Be a man, a woman of grace. Be a man, a woman of mercy. Be a man, a woman of peace. Seek the things that Jesus sought. Again, what did I say earlier? We need more of Jesus in every way. He could have come and judged the world. The world deserved it. But what he brought was grace and truth and peace. That's what we must bring. The devil can't stop the gospel when we are living like this. Let me just summarize today. Here are some exhortations for you. 
Brother, sister, please sing your new song. Saul immediately preached Jesus. For some of us, it's been decades since we've shared our faith. Two, don't let fear silence your song. Oh, friends, how many times have you had opportunities, but because of fear, you walked away? Third, don't expect everyone to respect your new song. The world, if it's still in the clutches of sin, doesn't want to hear the gospel. And four, sing that harmony line of encouragement. Will you commit to being an encourager? And then fifth, we have to expect miracles. I keep saying, if Saul could be saved, then there's hope for everyone. Church, we realize that we live in a culture that is increasingly less Christian and more secular. I understand that. A revival coming in our day and age seems like an impossible thing, but that has been true in every age of the church when revival came. It looked impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible and with God, we know that not even the devil can stop the gospel. What's stopping you? What's keeping you from sharing your faith? What's keeping you from being a light in the darkness, a positive force in a negative world? What's stopping you? Something's stopping you. There's a barrier. There's a block. What is it? May the Holy Spirit reveal it to you that that wall may crumble and that you may be an instrument of divine grace. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.